listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where people know the hashtag symbol, is for more than social media. Hello, Acaville fans. Welcome to Tacapella. This is episode 75. I'm freaking excited. I never thought when I started this thing, like, three 300 years ago that we would ever reach episode 75 this is going to be a really fun episode and of course i'm joined as always by my co-host brian alexander brian how you doing today man i'm doing great and super pumped for this episode john yeah i'm i'm gonna try and like really focus on what's actually we're actually going to talk about today not going to bring up (laughs) the many topics i like to go off on like superhero movies noodles or who's going to be the new batman (laughs) will not mention any of that i actually did i mentioned to a friend yeah i'm recording like a pretty big episode of my show tomorrow They're like are you gonna get noodles beforehand like you always say on the show i didn't I know, today I'm, I'm getting kind of lost without your whole noodle thing because you haven't done it for like the last few episodes and i'm getting a little bit worried so. i'm getting tired of the noodles man it just like i eat too much and then i'm just feeling bloated throughout and then i keep like burping and it's just it's it's not it's not uh it's sw- somewhat uncouth I think that's a that's a word, right? Never used that yeah, before. Yeah, that's a good choice of word. Yeah, yeah, thank you. But today we are joined by Claire Wheeler and Joe Goldsmith Eatson. Ladies, how are you doing today? Hey. hey. Hungry now after all that talk of noodles. Yeah, yeah right. I, I bring it up way, way too much on the show. I want to like cut old episodes, all the parts where I talk about noodles and make that one large episode because I think it could fill up quite a bit of time. So fun fact about Claire and Joe. Claire is a former member and Joe is a current member of the group <laughs> The Swingles, formerly The Swingles Singers. If you don't know who The Swingles are, you shouldn't be listening to this show. That's not true. I, 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 I actually, I need to not say no, then that. you should. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> actually, that's exactly what you should. You should be listening. Uh, the Swingles are a vocal group that was formed in 1962 in Paris by Ward Swingle, who is an American vocalist and jazz musician. Then after a while, the French group disbanded. Ward Swingle moved to London and then hired members who created like The Swingles 2, 2.0, the sequel. And and the current group performs primarily a cappella. They're a hugely prolific group. I have been following them for a long time. Brian is a full-on fanboy. Oh, I think he has like, fan. like the <laughs> swingles tattooed like on his forehead. Um, I'm trying and not to geek out as much as possible, but it's probably going to come out. And John, how dare you give away my secret tattoo? Well, we're on Skype right now, and I can see that it's not. Well, okay, here's the question. They used to be the Swingle Singers. So with this tattoo, did you have to change it when they went from the Swingle Singers to the Swingles? No, I just got some fancy music signs just to cover up the second part. So, you know. We talk about tattoos a lot on this show as well. Also, we rarely, (laughs) rarely um, (laughs) worthwhile pursuit. Rebranding always has issues, you know. (laughs) Exactly. Someone gets it. Yes, that's so true. (laughs) So, ladies, um, for much of us in acapella world, we we know the Swingles to be this very huge uh, vocal group, and we know a ton about the group. But for those who might not be as familiar with the group, can you tell us a little bit about the group as well as how did you two become members of the group? How did you get involved? Sure. I mean, the group kind of started by accident, really. Ward Swingle was living in Paris, and he was doing a lot of uh, session uh, singing and 
he and his colleagues and friends one day were just hanging around uh, around a piano and were trying to sight read their way through uh, the well-tempered clavier by Bach mm. <laughs> and uh, were kind of goofing around and decided to do it with a bit of a jazz swing and um, as a gift to their uh, friends and family they recorded it as an album and just gave it out to their mates and it was picked up by a French radio station um, it was then picked up by an American radio station and um so the album was a thing before they were even a group and their first actual official performance was in the White House, which oh, wow. is uh, pretty I cool. I did not know that. Um, but yeah, they, they started as a fluke, really. And I think some of the best groups actually kind of start that way, you know, just kind of <laughs> unsuspecting and just, wow, that is really awesome. So how did you, your individual paths kind of lead you to the group? I was told um, I had sung some of the swingle arrangements in my um, choir days and uh, was told by a friend um, that they were looking for um, a soprano. And actually, I didn't even know they were still touring at that time, but I jumped at the chance. And yeah, actually, Claire's story is kind of an interesting one because <laughs> I we were at college together, but didn't really know each other. I don't mm-hmm. think we even met, did we? I don't think I don't so. I think we did. We had mutual friends, but didn't, yeah, we hadn't met. It was it was weird because I had remembered seeing Claire in a performance at Guildhall. And then, you know, however many years later, two two or three years later, I, I then remembered her and found her on MySpace. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> We're so old. Uh, I had one of those. <laughs> to Ethernet. <laughs> <laughs> Ethernet's and MySpace, guys. <laughs> oh, man, we are having a blast from the past here. Today. Yeah, lots of, lots of older references. Lots of references to things that have never been referenced on the show before. So how did you guys audition and get in? So you heard there was, they were looking for Soprano Joe, like Claire, how did Mm -hmm. you end up getting in the actual group? What's the audition process? Well, it was interesting for me because I have a slightly dark past in that I had not even heard the word acapella before I auditioned for the Swingle Singers. Um, (laughs) I had loads of choral experience from different places, um, sung in jazz choirs, classical choirs, was at a classical music school before jazz music school. I grew up in East Africa, it's had sung in African gospel choirs. So my singing experience was really varied. And I knew groups like Take Six and Vocal Sampling, but I was just like, oh my goodness, can you believe they do that with just their voices? The end. I was just studying jazz and I didn't really get much beyond that. Joe found my number on MySpace eventually after a bit of <laughs> bit of research. It took a bit of detective work, didn't it? Um, it did, Because yeah. he thought I was called Alice or something. She's like, yeah, she's called like Alice Wheeler or something. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, so I got this text saying, hi, my name's Joe and I'm in this group called the Swingle Singers and we're holding auditions. And, you know, I, I heard you at Guildhall and I thought, I think you said like, we're looking for a high jazz alto. I'm like, I'm a high jazz alto. Um, and... <laughs> I was with a, another singer friend of mine at the time and she said, oh, I know the Swingle Singers. Oh, yeah, they're a big deal. Yeah, you should do that. And I thought, OK, well, I mean, auditioning is good experience. And um, so I just sort of went and, you know, did the first audition. But it was when they sent through the actual music for the second round that I was like, oh, this is cool. And then, you know, started stalking everything that they did. And yeah, then I got the bug. (laughs) So yeah, at that time, it was quite a clear process. It was like, do your first round where you sort of do your thing. You'd sing Mm -hmm. a classical piece, a pop piece, and then something of your own choice. And then the second and third round, they just you know, give you a ton of music to memorize, um, which you do with the group on mic and they record it and listen to your voice up loud at the end um, to hear (laughs) all the mistakes you made. Um, But they don't tell you that at the beginning. So it's not that mean. It's like secret and 
the GDPR thing wouldn't pass right now. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, and and it, we've changed it over the years to to fit various voice parts. Like in those days, I think you put the word out really far and wide, didn't you? And we've had a lot of musical theatre people audition and actresses and actors and all kinds of people and I think it's only through the journey that the group has made to connecting much more with the worldwide acapella audience that we've been able to just stretch out more internationally to look for people and um, find people who are already more specialized because I think it used to more be the case that you looked for someone with the aptitude and you kind of learned on the job and in more recent years we've been spoiled enough to well I think as the acapella um, community in general, the the level just goes up and up and up all mm-hmm. the time. And so you can yeah. just pick some kid out of nowhere. I mean, some Sarah Brimer Davy, my goodness, out mm-hmm. of Tennessee, who can sing notes that you can't even hear standing on her head, smiling <laughs> and whistling at the same time. I don't know, you know, but yeah. you can do you can do that now. And, and so the audition process really just kind of evolves as the group evolves, I think. Yeah, and I'm curious because uh, I heard you mention references to this a few times, but it seems like there are a lot of the members that come into the group have various backgrounds of doing all these different kind of music yeah. styles. And something I dug up online, and you have to correct me if I'm wrong, but most of the people who come through the Swingles or most of the more recent members had an acapella background. Is that is that true? They haven't done much acapella before getting into the Swingles? Yeah, I would say it's a real mixture. Mm. Um, so John Smith, for example, has mm-hmm. a huge acapella background. You know, he sang with Hyannis Sound and, you know, he's written arrangements for several groups and he, he was really kind of in that world and he worked for the vocal company and I think he still does as well. And so somebody like him, I think he's the most sort of embedded in that world that we've hired. Mm. I'd say before mm-hmm. that, it was probably Kevin who'd sung with Cadence before. Yeah, the others have been a strange mixture of either never having heard of the group, never having sung a cappella, having heard of the group, but sort of dabbled in it a little bit. It's kind of a weird mixture. I think we, we've we now sort of ticked off all of the boxes of people who have known <laughs> yeah. the group and haven't known the group. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's a real spectrum. I don't yeah. know what you think, Joe, but would you say that it comes a little bit with making a choice to kind of get more involved in the a cappella community that mm-hmm. that it's a little yeah. easier to find people in that yeah, sort of pond for sure. as well? Yeah, because yeah. it's easier to spread the word that way as well yeah. when people know people who know people yeah. and can put you in touch. Yeah. yeah. And of course, there's Facebook now, like, you know, yeah. like not joking, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like when I joined, I mean, I think I joined the Swingles before I got Facebook. So I'm just oh, aging myself too. with yeah. everything I say here. But um, <laughs> but that's a huge difference in the way that we share music and the way that we meet people and know people. You can know people, you know, without having met, which wasn't really wasn't really a thing before. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I mean, when I joined, I couldn't find anything online about the group. I mean, they had a website Mm. and lots of text, but I couldn't find a single video. Like there was no kind of footage from a show or anything like that that you could watch. Oh wow! So Mm. it's it's quite different (laughs) now that everyone films everything and it's so readily available. It's really different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So hearing about how you two both joined like this ensemble and the kind of twists and turns it's taken and how it's evolved... I'm really curious, what did it feel like joining the legacy of the Swingles? Because both Brian and I have formed groups, auditioned for groups, but groups that we've joined and had experiences with don't have this like long story and culture. So what was it like joining the group, getting in and realizing you're part of a much bigger like acapella story and culture? 
I mean, it can be pretty daunting. You know, there's this really long history and there are certain pieces that have been kind of passed down through the generations that have been sung by many, many people before you. And your mm-hmm. your job is just to to fill in that particular role. But I think what's really exciting about having stayed in the group for longer than two or three years is that we now write and arrange music for each other and for mm-hmm. each other's voices and for each other's skill sets. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's quite a new thing. I think before it was you sort of had to fit a particular mould Um, And you had to be the perfect replacement for the person that was in the group before you. And I think now now we try to cater to the particular voices that we have in the group at the time. It's kind of really exciting because we're doing a lot more uh, pieces that suit us and that we really love creating. But at the same time, we still have that portion of our show, which has been sung by hundreds of people before, you know, whether it be a Mm. fugue or one of the old Beatles arrangements or whatever it may be. It's really nice to have that kind of spectrum and to be able to tick all those boxes is actually really fun, I think. But it's a little bit scary, um, especially when you see all the former swingles all together in one room, which we, we did last <laughs> week, which is quite fun. But um, oh, man. yeah, wow. it's, uh, it's really cool because, you you know, they get to see what you're doing. You, you get to sort of say thank you for all that happened before you arrived. And it, yeah, it's really cool. So what are those meetings like when you get so much history and so many members from the different eras of the Swingles together? Is it just a, just a flux Pantheon. of all this jazz and <laughs> complex arrangements? And well, it was funny for me because it, it was my first one as an mm-hmm. ex-Swingle, I think. Was it my mm-hmm. first? Yeah, it was, yeah. And mm-hmm. it was interesting because looking back at the photos, I was like, oh, it's so weird. I'm like, on the back line without a microphone I can clap my hands and you know stuff like that like it was weird and then I remember thinking because we've done a few of them you know at big events like um, a memorial for Ward after he passed away and various anniversaries as they keep coming up and I remember thinking like remembering the first one thinking I don't know anybody outside of the you know immediate group and now feeling like I knew almost everybody if not everybody and that really is just a family that you get to know over time Um, Mm -hmm. and so that was really cool that was a very uh, memorable experience for me being my first kind of one from the outside as it were <laughs> absolutely yeah, beyond us, it's just great that they want to come back and join mm-hmm. in with stuff as well I mean mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think of another job where you know after however many years at that job if the company said hey it's the 10 year anniversary of the company or whatever like how many people would actually show up <laughs> Very you know, few. I think it's really yeah. nice that after you know 50 odd years more than 50 years you know you you there are still lots of people who think, great, I'd love to come back and join in and have a sing song. And isn't it great? And these events are usually quite loud as well. You know, that many people in a room all, all yeah. chatting and catching up and gossiping. And yeah, it can be uh, a little bit raucous. <laughs> and you always find out something new about the old group, don't you? Like, yes. You always talk oh. to someone different and they've had maybe a different number of drinks or something. And, you know, you get, uh, <laughs> you know, five drinks, so-and-so tells you such and such. And, and it really opens up the history for you, you know, because we've had loads of conversations about what our duty is within the group in in exactly the question that you were just asking about the tradition and what it feels like to step into that and you know we were both in the group during the 50th anniversary and I think that was the most prevalent maybe then there's a very small number of people out there probably that think that the swingle singer's legacy is to sing Bach with a swing but Mm -hmm. you know I think that in general the group has always taken the the ethos that it's to is to move forwards and to move music forwards and vocal music forwards and to do something new and Ward Swingle was always an innovator right up until his very last moment and um, he was always very proud of the newest things that we were doing and I think 
that spurred us on, didn't it? Just the mm. n- knowing that he wasn't wanting us to always harken back to the past. Yeah. Oh, fun fact as well. Um, at the top of the episode, you mentioned um, the name change. And not many people know that the group was called The Swingles when Ward Swingle was in it. Oh. Um, and when he left the group, he left it with the name The Swingles. And this is this is all to do with um, various uh, legal battles over the years over the name. Um, when, when the group first moved over from Paris, where they had been lay swingle singers, they weren't allowed to use that name because of various record companies and things. And so that's why they were then called The Swingle 2 and then The New Swingle Singers and then The Swingles. And it was uh, when Ward Swingle left, it was left as the Swingles. And then finally, when they got the rights to the name, they then formed it again as the Swingle Singers. And so it was only really from, I think it was around the 80s or something that the group was then the Swingle Singers again. So yeah, for us, it was it was very much a change back to the name rather than a, a new name. Yeah. That's so interesting. I, would, I didn't know that at all. We yeah. were always getting called the Swingle Sisters. Yes. Um, <laughs> now, Joe, tell me, does anyone do that now that it's the Swingles? No one calls uh, you just the no, like the no Swisters or, no. <laughs> or something. I think that my favorite one was the Swiming Singergs, wasn't it? That wait, was, wait, was, wait, say that one more time. Swiming Singergs. Yeah, that was the one. It was printed on an Italian bus. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Brian, let's make our That's own group. Cool named that i don't think i can say it it's the swiming sing sing I'll gags fight you for it singergs yeah. <laughs> swing guards okay yeah we we've might have to swingles. we could do it we've had i mean we've had all sorts it's been yeah. yeah but amazingly people get the name wrong not that often anymore so yeah so i'm curious because uh claire you mentioned a lot about i guess ward's vision and it's kind of in a scene the group always kind of propel forwards with the the arts and the crafts of the the music that you guys are taking on and what i've seen a lot in following the group over the recent years is that you guys's evolution in music mm-hmm. has been so varied i'm like i see so many different covers and so many different styles and when a lot of groups try and do that there's always this struggle with kind of their identity and what they want the group to be and I'm just I look at the swingles and you guys from what you've done most recently and in the last few years have been for lack of a better phrase kind of almost effortless and I'm just like what's the, what's the secret how do, how does the swingles tackle something like that how do you do that with your that history and the music how does you make all of that work together well, it's definitely not effortless. <laughs> um, it looks that way. Although, which means you I'm look glad really to hear cool it. doing it. <laughs> um, but, I, but I do think that the aspect of just sounding like the swingles throughout the years is effortless. And I think that that comes down to the, the audition process because everyone has to, has to sound good singing old repertoire as well as the latest repertoire. And so mm. you know that it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like a quick dating dating process of like (laughs) yeah I like I like how you do this and I like how you do this great and I think I think that's really important so you know we definitely wouldn't be taking in someone that doesn't sound good you know singing a fugue or that kind of Mm -hmm. thing even though it's not the only thing that matters now Um, Mm. but and we don't we don't sit around discussing how we can make a new arrangement sound swingly because we've Mm. kind of already done it within the process of rehearsing Mm -hmm. and learning 
and absorbing that material. Does that make sense? And mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. then when we create something all together, whether someone's written arrangement and we all have our little say on how we do stuff and, you know, it's a democracy. So, you know, everyone has an equal kind of part in how things go or whether sometimes the group's written stuff all together. It's just organic. And so there isn't, we don't sit and discuss how to sound like the swingles. So I think that part, I don't know if you agree, Joe, but I think that part mm. is is subconscious, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, the, the thing is, it's it's an interesting one because it, it does make us very difficult to sell, as in, yeah. you know, <laughs> when we cover such a broad range <laughs> of rep, we still daily have the conversations with promoters who are sort of either wanting us to focus on one thing or are kind of asking us, how how do we sell this? Because it's like, are you pop? Not really. Are you jazz? Not mm. really. Are you classical? Not really. Sometimes. You know, it's just, <laughs> we're just a vocal group who cover, you know, a lot of different things, but it, it, it is a difficult thing to package, you know, in this, in this world that we live in. People love labels. People love mm. um, neat little mm. parcels. And so it's... Um, yeah, it can be a tricky one, even though we, we find it easy and we find it effortless, but <laughs> it's not necessarily to the outside world. The thing that ties it together is the sound, but that's not mm. something that you can describe, is it? So mm -hmm. even so, yeah. you know, yeah. people want just this really easy thing to describe that they can sell. Exactly. Um, but on paper, it's all these different things. But when you hear the concert, it's this, I think it's a tangible sound throughout all of those things. And just going back to your thing about groups wanting to try and get this cohesive sound, I think that a really helpful thing for us that we started doing some years ago was improvising together. For a little while, yeah. we would start off our rehearsals that way we would you know how it's difficult to get your, your brain sometimes from the administrative side to the creative side. I think people who work for themselves and, you know, creative people trying to run their own business and it's, it's tough, you know, and you've just been on the tube or you've been answering emails. Um, let's get in the creative zone all together. It's mindfulness. It's all of that stuff. And then we would record things on an iPhone, occasionally use things later. But I think, it means that everybody's singing in the way that suits them best. And then you're mm -hmm. capturing that in an arrangement. And so we tried to encourage people to bring first drafts of stuff rather than finished things or to bring fragments or ideas that we could work on together for that reason. Because then, you know, s someone comes in with this line and it's it's in their voice. It's the way that they express themselves. And so um, it means that when you stand on stage, like I remember feeling that for the first time, I think with maybe it was with Piper or something. It was Piper or Narnia, one of the original songs just feeling like like we're walking on stage with a, a new sense of ownership over this because of mm. because of that process so I think getting groups to improvise together and to use that as an arranging tool does help with that finding your sound thing yeah absolutely that's such a big push right now in contemporary music education to mm. encourage more improvisation especially Great. i just did like a full year course basically in kodai which is all about mm. um like getting children oh, to sing yeah. and working on all that stuff and so much they'd always come back to at least my teachers were like okay well how can they do this as an improvisation because when i started singing it was very much like here are your notes you sing these notes you sing these notes that are on the page and i got decent at that and that's really good but then when i had to be kind of more of an independent musician and go off the page and try to create something i struggled a lot so this idea that the creative process is not just something that you bring into the rehearsal but that it 
is the rehearsal and it is mm-hmm. the music learning, I think is so important. I think it's great for people like Brian and I, and also just everyone listening today to hear that that's such an integral part of your sound and your culture and just what makes it enjoyable to be a swingle singer, to be a swingle. Cause I think that's something that's really easy to just be like, okay, well we'll get our arrangements and then we learn it. But creating together, I bet it also helps you guys connect to each other a lot that's better so as cool. well. I've brought a lot of arrangements into my group where I'm like, here you go, we're singing this. And that worked fine. But I'd imagine when you're creating something together, you're not only connecting musically, but connecting interpersonally. Yeah, for sure. And I think, yeah. you know, say for example, you know, Joe starts singing, an idea and I latch onto that and put something around it or harmonize with it. I'm not just, you know, listening to the the note, like to the pitch and the rhythm, but the sound and the phrasing and, mm-hmm. and whatever. And it gives yep. you, it gives you a renewed interest and way of listening to that person's voice. And then mm. you're learning a new way of um, matching with them. And then, you know, more often than not, you, you find a new way of singing together and unlock mm-hmm. new sounds. And um, that was a big thing for Narnia, wasn't it? Maybe you should tell yeah. them about how Narnia came yeah, to Yeah, so th- that that really came out of a group uh, improvisation where I think it was one where we started with our eyes closed and, you know, just kind of came in one by one or, or came in when we felt like it. I don't quite remember, but... Um, at the end of it, it had been so successful that we thought, oh, there are definite bits in there that we can use. There were then various bits of the improv that ended up being part of the arrangement. And yeah, the the song just wouldn't have had the vibe that it had without that first improv. And it, and it was just a kind of, let's sing. There's no subject matter. There are no lyrics yet, but let's just all sing together and see what happens. And then, yeah, we were then able to write this whole song out of these kind of fragments of textures that we had really liked and kind of phrasing that we'd really liked and it was really cool actually I sort of wish we'd we'd been able to do more of those like they're yeah. they're, they're, they're kind of few and far between just yeah. because it so it takes work, so much time it? but like um <laughs> it, it it is a really great way of writing for the people you have in the group because yeah as Claire said people are singing where it's comfortable and they're singing what they sing the best way they sing it so it's yeah it was really cool So we're going to take a short break and uh, come back and continue this uh, very interesting conversation we're having with uh, Claire and Joe. And uh, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back on Talkapella. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, we dare you to find any instruments in these tracks. And welcome back to Talkapella. And we're back on our show, and it has been perhaps one of my favorite shows. Brian is fangirling hardcore, and I'm fangirling that he's fangirling. It's great. Emotions are running high, but I'm I'm trying to remain as calm and collected as possible. (laughs) But uh, that can only last for so long, if I'm being honest. Um, So anyway, we've been talking to Joe and Claire. Claire's a former member, and Joe's a current member of the Swingles. And man, the conversations we've been having have just been exciting. And just to kind of get back into it, both of you all met at Guildhall. So I have a. I'm curious. You know, how did that first encounter go between you two? Do you remember when you first? met there and as well as do any of the other swingles have connections before their time being a member in the group 
<laughs> yeah, quite a few. I mean, Claire and I, I was basically in the audience when Claire was performing. Um, we mm-hmm. used to do these things called platforms. Is that what they were called? Yeah. <laughs> I'd forgotten <laughs> well, that until before, That sounded like you know. an embarrassed, yeah, and I really want to hear <laughs> yeah. what this it's was. It's like once a week, um, a few uh, students will perform two or three songs, pieces, whatever, um, in front of their peers. And uh, you get to see either the year above you or the year below you or, or people in your year. And uh, Claire was the year above me at Guildhall. And she was performing, I think, two or three pieces that she had written. And they were being performed with a, you know, a whole band. And I remember being like, that's really cool. But that's we didn't really cool. meet. I was just in the audience. We didn't actually meet at Guildhall. Um, I don't think so. But oh. Joe is, I was going to say patient zero. I've been watching too many weird movies. Um, <laughs> Joe is swingle zero for many of the uh, people that were in the group. Because CJ, who was second tenor for a while, knew uh, Joe from National Youth Choir of Great Britain. Yeah. Uh, you knew Lucy Potterton Lucy slash well, Bailey. Yeah. yeah. What are your other connections? The person who initially told me about the swingle job was a conductor who I was singing in a choir of his in London called Chantage. He's called Jim Davy. And as soon as Sarah auditioned for the group and when she joined over, I remember thinking, oh, I know the perfect guy for you. And they're now married. Uh, so yeah. uh, I feel like so that, was a, that was a nice little bow tied on top of everything. When uh, the person who told me about the, the audition, I was then able to set him up with my future colleague. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I had a couple of mutual friends with Oliver, um, oh, which yeah. I think helped him sort of take seriously a few people's suggestions to audition for the group because he also although he had lots of singing experience um hadn't done a cappella before and so and hadn't heard of the swingles and so a couple of friends you know suggested like you should go for this and I think it was a bit like the swingles what's that you know (laughs) it it isn't it isn't the greatest name if you don't know what it is um (laughs) and uh and so I think it was just that we had a couple of mutual friends that sort of made it seem a bit more like real life to him maybe yeah. that's wow, great. it sounds like joe was like the the gatekeeper in order to yeah, so, yeah that's it thank you that sounds much better than patient zero great <laughs> what is that i mean where was patient zero first used? i'm feeling i'm getting a lot of zombie like zombie movie vibes yeah. Yeah, exactly what I'm killer of. virus maybe yeah yeah killer yeah. virus is where something like that walking yeah. dead all that stuff claire i'm really curious what has life after the swingles been like well, it's hard to know exactly because it was the same time as having a baby. Ah, so it wasn't Those actually, can take some time. Yeah, <laughs> they're not just quick projects. I hadn't decided to leave the group when I went on maternity leave, although all I knew was that I didn't know what was going to what it was mm-hmm. going to be like. So, it, you know, we did talk about it in the group as an as a possibility before I left. And that was strange because I didn't get that sort of rundown of like knowing that that was happening and that sort of thing so I think that jolt of new parent like oh my goodness what what is this new life um thing was then coupled with you know this huge decision you know you'll have got the sense by now that you know when we join the group especially in this generation we really just poured our heart and soul into into it and especially you know writing and arranging and that sort of thing and so Actually, it I just couldn't comprehend uh, leaving it behind, really, for the longest time. And I think 
before I joined the Swingles, you know, I told you that I hadn't heard of a cappella, and I really, my passion was writing for large instrumental ensembles. So I was writing for big band. My final recital at Guildhall was um, a big orchestral performance of my original music and it's it's just been growing on my heart and sort of weighing on me wanting to do more and more of that and I had some amazing opportunities in the swingles too um like when we talked with the Boston Pops I got to write something that was for us in the Boston Pops and that was the dream is like putting vocals together with you know instruments and stuff so so for me with my jazz background I just knew I wanted to do more and more jazz We've collaborated a few times with Kurt Elling and New York Voices and those things just really, um, I think, triggered the sense of that there were new things that I wanted to try. And I don't think you can really get tired of a job like the Swingles. So it's hard because it's not like waking up one day and being like, well, this isn't fun anymore. or This isn't interesting. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to, to make that call. But um, mm-hmm. for me, I think it was like I've already... I've already kind of gone through the hardest part because, yeah, in all in all honesty, that first part of not touring, even before I decided to leave, just being at home and seeing it all go past without me was um, was really tough. And I think in a way it was kind of a blessing to go through that before I decided to leave because then Mm -hmm. I thought I've actually done the hardest part now. I've ripped off the Band-Aid maybe it's time for me to go and do those things. And I think one of the things of the the legacy of the group and having the sense that it it came before you and it's going to go after you is there is a sense I know Joe and I've talked about this before a sense of responsibility um Mm. to the time that you're in the group and I think the the moment that you realize that maybe your heart's moving elsewhere it's Mm -hmm. kind of your responsibility to go you know and I could have enjoyed I could have loved many more years in the group but as I felt my yeah as I felt other things sort of drawing on my heart I thought yeah someone else is going to come in and have that a thousand percent and it's time to give someone that opportunity and it's so exciting to see now who they've got ready to to jump in um and I and you know I remember that feeling of like getting the job and it's like I can't wait for my first gig and I'm just so excited that every time someone gets to do that I just think it's amazing because there aren't many groups that it's a full-time job like that's Mm. an amazing Mm -hmm. thing and the Mm -hmm. swingles has never sounded better i'm so excited for (laughs) (laughs) i think that's great this i mean that very very well said claire this reminds me of an episode brian and i did uh i think a couple months ago we we titled it letting your group go and it was this kind of (laughs) emotional exploration because both of us brian and i have founded groups and it was obviously different kind of situation than the swingles but this relationship kind of viewing it less as, okay, I'm no longer a swingle or I'm no longer in this group or that group or whatever, and treating it more as an evolution of your relationship with the ensemble. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I am no longer in the group I started at Colorado State, Mountainhorns. I love that group. Put my heart and soul into it for the one year I was able to do it there and when I started it, but then now I've moved on to doing arrangements for them and kind of helping them from, from a distance. And I was so excited when I heard about all the new auditionees and you get how you said Claire you get that like kick like oh I'm so excited for this person to get this opportunity now and that's just a new way of enjoying the excitement and enjoying and being satisfied by the group even if you're not an active participant and I think that's something really important for people to hear because I think it can be really easy to be like oh you're not in the group then you are not like then there's no relationship or you're not 
still being satisfied by it, but I'm still satisfied mm-hmm. and enjoy everything from the groups I've been in the past. And I think it's, I think that's something really important that, you know, with college people coming into groups, leaving groups, coming up on the end of the school year in a little bit, I think it's really great for people to hear your story and how you're, you didn't, it's not just like, I'm no longer a swingle. It is my relationship with the ensemble has evolved and yeah, to this like new a graduation, stage. A graduation to, yeah, the next yeah. thing. And um, it was lovely. The swingles actually asked me to write a new arrangement for a jazz project that they were doing. And, you know, that yeah. that meant a lot to me because, you know, I was leaving to do more jazz. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it's like, oh, you have a jazz project. Oh, you know, and so that was lovely because, you know, there are still a few of my arrangements in the show. And, you know, I hope that some of them will get dug out from time to time. Yeah, but it's, I was it's, about to say that, you know, in my <laughs> inbox from yesterday or the day before is a brand new arrangement by Claire. So it's, you know, yeah, the relationship <laughs> definitely lives on. And yeah. And it's part of the evolution of sound and, you know, Mm -hmm. the group is going to always move forward and focus on making its own arrangements. But of course, there's that shift over period where, you know, I have my my tiny little stamp on that sound from the last, you know, 11 years or so. And and yeah, so I think we're still in that period of like, it still sounds sounds kind of like the thing that we made together. And although I have to say, like, seeing the LACF show last week like there was a new arrangement that Edward did um of a Radiohead thing it was so cool I absolutely (laughs) flipped out about it but it was and it was interesting I was like oh there's just this subtle change that I can hear like in just this like sonic footprint that's just changed already it was really cool I'm like okay it's just constantly evolving it's amazing yeah and and Joe I'm curious just kind of hearing uh Claire's uh perception of you know kind of life after it and you know the footprint that's been left on the sonic group. You know, footprint what's that? that is a great sonic <laughs> i really like that someone needs to copyright that that is awesome <laughs> <laughs> joe what's the dynamic of the group currently you know what's how's group uh, na- the group now uh, from your perspective it's exciting i mean in some ways we've been really spoiled over the last couple of years uh, because we were venturing into this very unknown territory because Claire was having a baby. We didn't know whether um, Claire would come back or whether it was going to be a new member or whatever. And so we've been really lucky to work with some incredible people. And we had uh, Lucy Potterton come back for a while. And we've Mm -hmm. also been working with Liz Swain, who's absolutely incredible. And the two of them just threw themselves into it. It didn't matter where we were going, what we were doing, they were just up for it. And so it's been kind of, I wouldn't say we've been on pause, but we've just been kind of enjoying each other's company and each other's voices and, you know, sort of doing what we want without thinking too much about the future. Um, Of course, we then had Mm -hmm. to make far bigger decisions when uh, when Sarah decided she was leaving, but we found an incredible singer from Italy called Federica. She's absolutely fabulous. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and now, as Claire's official replacement, we have Imogen Parry, who is the daughter of Ben Parry, who was in The Swingles. So oh, wow. um, this is the first kind of That's second cute. generation of Hello. Swingle singers. Yeah, we, we <laughs> haven't made a big deal of it online, purely because we sort of wanted to announce her joining us um, completely off her own merit rather than because of who her father was. But um, it is really exciting that we have, you know, for the first time ever, you know, Swingle and then their child has then followed in their footsteps. It's really cool. Um, And the two of them were on stage together last week at LACF, which was really fun. Oh my goodness. Um, So yeah, it's really exciting. We have our first rehearsals this week with her. So it's exciting. It's brand new. It's... um, yeah, we, we, we're going to see what happens because it's we haven't really figured it out yet. <laughs> so just in regards, I know that you guys 
well, I guess recently kind of did Folklore, that album, you know, is mm -hmm. that a view of what the current groups t uh, feel is now? Or is that more of kind of that in-between transition period? Or wh where does that lie on the musical spectrum for the singles in regards to Folklore? I would say it's probably a mixture of the two. Um, I think what was really fun about Folklore is that we got to explore and experiment with sounds and techniques that we hadn't ever really done before. Some of them were very familiar to us. Um, as Claire said, she grew up in Africa. And so um, singing an African song and arranging the African song was kind of second nature. And I'm half Portuguese. And so singing in Portuguese was really fun. And my mother and grandmother were really happy and excited. But we also got to explore music that we don't really know anything about, you know, music from the Philippines and Bulgaria and, you know, Russia and and so it, it was it was really exciting to kind of do something that felt like it came from us and from a very personal place but also something that we had never ventured into but I would say that that was that was a couple of years ago now so I would say that mm -hmm. while we're still performing a lot of that rep we've kind of taken that same idea but just sort of applied it in in more broad strokes so rather than just folk songs we're kind of applying that sense of familiarity with the new and with the exciting. But yeah, no, it, it was an awesome project. Um, it was really great to kind of delve into some of that stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are your hopes for the group's next album? I don't know. I mean, right now, we've sort of taken a break from making the traditional sense of an, al an album in the traditional sense, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, we're sort of focusing on the video side of things and we have a new Patreon account and what we're trying to do now is to release a new video every month just to show a really broad spectrum of, okay, this month it's an early music deconstructed, reconstructed, you know, Thomas Tallis thing. And then the next month it'll be a, a pop song with lots of loops and, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah, I think we're, we're kind of taking it um, track by track and releasing um, what we want to release within that month rather than thinking of an entire concept and then kind of throwing yeah. it all out there. But I think I think when the time feels right, um, we'll definitely consider an album. But right now it's not really it's just not really on the horizon yet. I mean we're 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 definitely focusing on the track by track, video by video kind of vibe at the moment. I was going to say, so with the videos uh, that you're mentioning, mm -hmm. do you have any more plans to do like collaborations? I've seen you guys do quite a bit of those in the past. Yeah, I mean, if you know of anyone who wants to collaborate, like put Us? them in touch because we, we <laughs> I mean, sure. <laughs> but yeah, no, we, we love it. You know, we love getting to mm -hmm. sing with different people and different groups and different instruments. And yeah, it's, it's awesome. After you collaborate with someone, because you, what you were talking about earlier with folklore and how you kind of dove into different musical traditions and different genres and stuff, that's something that is also really big in music education right now. Like, oh, we need mm -hmm. to expand beyond just here's your sheet music and learn it, but learning songs by rote, learning songs from different cultures. And I feel like that has a relationship with the notion of collaboration. And my old group would try to collaborate quite a bit. What's that process like? And what do you look for in someone you're trying to collaborate with? And what's kind of like the the feeling after you've collaborated with someone? What, what are the rewards you get from that? I think what we really like is when groups do what they do best. So for example, at LACF, if we ever did a collaboration on stage with say, the real group or anyone really, what we love is when they sing their music their way. So if, if we ever collaborate on a piece of ours or on a piece of theirs, like 
It's finding that balance between having something that feels homogenous and feels cohesive yeah. um, without us trying to sound like them and without them trying to sound like us. It's that kind of thing. And I would say it's the same for recordings that we've done, um, groups that we've performed with or, or recorded with. I think that's sort of what we go for. So with the Ayub sisters, for example, who are a, a string uh, duo, they collaborated with us on our arrangement of Libertango. Um, mm-hmm. And then we yeah. we wrote uh, vocal parts around one of their arrangements of uh, an Egyptian piece. And so, yeah, it was kind of finding that balance between them doing what they do and us doing what we do, but kind of finding a way for that to be one thing. You know, it's I think that's what it is. It's It's kind of appreciating why you're collaborating. Like, what is it about their sound that you like and how can you incorporate it into what you're doing? Yeah, it sounds like mm-hmm. almost like very specified. I think when doing collaborations or just like I have a lot of experience with just like mass choir stuff like oh you get all the choirs yeah. or like okay you get this high school choir sing with this high school choir and they all come together at the end to sing a song that's great but so often I think the focus can be on the fact that oh look they're coming together rather than a yes. melding of the styles and that's what it sounds yeah. like is the focus because when I I really like doing big mass choir stuff and you know this choir comes and sing, sings with us or whatever but often I feel like okay well this doesn't sound like mountain horns or this doesn't sound like ramblings just just sounds like a bunch of people singing together but the fact that you guys prioritize like okay this isn't the kind of edge or the angle to this is not just the novelty of people coming together, but people coming together to make music that sounds still like each other. That makes a lot of sense. For that reason, I think strong collaborations usually will be between two very different artists, Mm -hmm. um, which is very easy when it's voices and an instrument or with someone like Kurt Elling, who has such a distinct Mm -hmm. voice and he's one voice. The Swingles can do their thing with him and sound other to him. But I think what the hardest thing to do is to get vocal groups together. Um, yeah. So in writing an arrangement, it's not just the sound of your voices that need to be different, but the arranging needs to reflect the styles so that you can tell, tell who's different because exactly. on stage you can see everybody. So I see that person singing, I see that person singing, but on a recording, you don't know who's doing what. So you're just adding to the noise if there aren't distinctive styles. So, so I'm curious, just in regards to approaching collaboration with these different groups, you know, conceptually, how does that the talks begin? Does it, do you initially decide on, here's a piece that I like from your group, here's a piece I like from your group, and just kind of, let's see where the minds meet, or, you know, because you guys do quite a bit of different collaborations. I've, I've watched a lot of different videos, and uh, one of my favorites was... Uh, Peter Hollins with Poor Wayfaring Stranger. Mm. And I, I, oh, yeah. I'm guilty yep. of playing that one for yep. probably like a million <laughs> times over the years. I mean, um, I think- but just like approaching it, just like I'm a group, I'm looking to collaborate, do something differently. And, you know, what? where does the process start initially? I feel like almost always it's with an event. Like a lot of the collaborations that we've done in the Swingles have been because of our festival where we have, we've tried to choose really varied artists to come and then, you know, who's available on this day to to sing with us or for us to sing with them. And then you make 
that work the best you can in the way that I sort of described where it's like the arranging styles reflecting each group and that kind of thing. Like with Peter Hollands, it was, oh, you guys are coming to Oregon on tour. Like, do you want to make a video? So that was the event. Mm. Um, and then making that work. And even if it's as simple as, you know, someone coming to your ho hometown or I just really want to work with this person, it's usually like the event. So you're making something that is appropriate for a context I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so when we made, I think the Ayub sisters thing came out of um, the process of making folklore. Is that right, Joe? So because we decided to go down this folk route because we had a couple of things. So we were doing all of that, and then somebody introduced us to them, and this, this was around the time that I left. So I'm not sure how that all progressed, but it came out of we're already doing this thing, and then yeah, it they were um, they they were actually on the same label, I think as Gareth Malone, maybe? This okay. is actually a side of the story I'm not sure about. Um, but they were performing in the same gigs that we were doing with with a, a guy over here, Gareth Malone, who is a uh, choir conductor and, a, and an educator. Um, he's quite well known. He's had several um, TV shows and that kind of thing. And he was doing a live tour and asked the Swingles to be a part of it. And the Ayub sisters were also involved, but I'm not sure how. But it definitely came out of um, we should do something together. And these are the things that um, we think will suit both our things. It was our agent at the time was the first time I heard of them saying it was Sam Weatherston, wasn't it? Saying, um, I, you know, we also represent them. or I also know them. Oh. Uh, this would be great at your launch. And then I think for Folklore and then we didn't get it together in time. But then they were still like kind oh. of in our thoughts and stuff. So uh, so then it was like, oh, we haven't co covered Syrian music or we you know so it's like okay well where can we go with that and the sort of peripheral stuff that grew out of folklore and yeah maybe he's there also on gareth's label and stuff like yeah even more links yeah yeah <laughs> so as we wrap up like our second segment here and as we wrap up the hour in general uh, i think this would be a great question to ask because we both have a current member of the group and a former member of the group on the show right now i'm curious joe and claire what are your hopes for the future of the group and like one continuing the legacy and also just seeing where it goes your hopes for the future that's so deep i know it is really deep when brian and i wrote that question we we're like oh man oh, this yeah. is gonna sound so cool when we say it like that i feel like i should go first so that we can end with joe's like you know, <laughs> words reverberating into the future um but i couldn't be more proud of everything that that happened during the time that I was in the group, even from just moving to being a democracy, to improvising together. I think it became more of a team than I could have ever imagined. And the level of it, uh, the friendship, the collaboration, the, the writing, I, I really feel like the group went through a sort of metamorphosis during that time. And I'm excited that I see it continuing already in this short space of time. And I know what it's like when a member's leaving. It takes a really long time to get things set up. And although they've been doing loads of amazing stuff with videos, like it must feel a little bit like raring to go, you know, to get started with a new person that you can really invest in. And um, so I'm just really excited to see the innovation continue because like we talked about before, it's not about the Swingles doing any one particular thing, but about being at the forefront of vocal music and being the trailblazers. And I, I see that in the current group and I, and I hope for that, you know, for the future. 
Well said. Mm, that's a good one. Ooh. Wow, very deep. Ooh, okay. I think I have like three mini ones. Okay, that's great. <laughs> I guess the first one would be, I think it would be really exciting for us to have an entire album of originals. Um, the group mm. has never done that before. So I think that would be really exciting. The second is that for a while, um, we've talked about having a slightly more conceptual show. So rather than it being just a concert of song after song, actually coming up with um, a storyline or a, you know, not necessarily a musical, but some some kind of through story that we would be the sonic backdrop for. Um, we've talked about it a little bit. We have some ideas, um, but I, I'm really hopeful that we can create something along those lines. I guess those are quite internal things. I guess externally, I would love for the group to get to the place where listeners and fans and promoters and agents and whoever it may be are less focused on what we're going to sing and just excited by the idea of a swingle show. Um, mm. I, I would love that. Mm. At the moment, there's there's still so much kind of, so what's in the set list? What pieces are you singing? And actually, it's kind of irrelevant because if we do do a song that people have heard before or that know it, it usually the arrangement is so different that it's kind <laughs> of unrecognizable anyway. <laughs> um, and if we do something that people haven't heard of before, it's often the one that they come up to us after the show and say, oh my God, that one that you did that was about this is my favorite. And so we've Your kind of realized that- should just that be called you don't know what you want exactly you don't know what you're in for <laughs> therefore it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether the program's printed or not or yeah I, I would just love that because there's so much being on on the marketing team and being um the person who writes most of the set lists it's the thing that takes up the most of my time in terms of admin is is that and i i kind of feel like time could be so much better spent than trying to convince people that our set list will be enjoyable <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, I, I would say like, yeah, the, 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 the finer details of exactly what we're going to sing in a show, I would love for that not to really be important to people. No, that's, that's great. So everyone, we're going to take one more short break. We've been talking with Joe and Claire of the Swingles today, uh, having just a great 75th episode, and we're going to be right back here on Tacapella. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, we dare you to find any instruments in these tracks. And welcome back to Torcapella. Thanks for joining us today. We have had quite the episode today with Joe Our and Claire. Our 75th. And we're 70, old now, Brian. We're so old. I know we're getting there, man. Our time has just flown by. But this has been an exciting episode. We've learned so much from the creative uh, aspect to how the swingles function internally to everything that Claire's working on. And it's been eye-opening. And, and heartwarming. I really wish we, like, we I got, just keep going on for two so hours. It's so nice. <laughs> I know. So uh, as per tradition, as we've done uh, with all our shows, is the last segment, we like to ask our guests if they could impart any advice to the vocal community as a whole, whether it be the audience, whether it be instructors, it be just anyone out there, you know, what piece of advice would you give them? So I'm still really hoping eventually we get a guest who just gives advice to one person. 
Like, hey, <laughs> you need to work on this. Like, now that you Nigel put it out, Savage. it's going to happen. I, I really want it to happen. Like, someone just like Nigel, says something really petty. Like, <laughs> my piece of advice would be for like Bill to learn his part or something like that. Just something really inappropriate and not okay. I think it'd be so funny. It does. It doesn't have to happen, but one day I think it will. Exactly. They're going to say, Talk Appella told me I could do this. So, yeah. thanks John for that. <laughs> oh. so, so, Claire and Joe, if you could give us, uh, give our audience one piece of advice, what would it be? And they can be individual pieces of advice. You don't have to like try and like mind meld with each other and like psychically say like I, the same thing. I could thing. psychically read her mind if we were together, but mm, <laughs> it doesn't work over the internet. I, I have a twin and I tried to like psychically read her mind recently. I've <laughs> always tried to. It's never worked. I don't know if I buy into the whole like you can read someone else. And Brian, what am I thinking about right now? Let's try it. Um, you are thinking about how amazing I am at setting up guests for these parts. And how poorly I take us into random other directions yes good job exactly. at least it wasn't <laughs> about noodles so. yep <laughs> for advice i think i've been doing a lot more um work with different choirs and groups and individual singers and stuff and i think the thing that i just feel really passionate about at the moment is just that you need to enjoy music it's so easy to get lost in semantics and kind of yeah go off on on tangents and uh, anyone who knows me and has worked with me knows that I do really care about details and <laughs> and quality and and all that kind of stuff but through all of that you really have to remember why you're doing that and that is for expression and mm. and for enjoyment so I think that would be that would be my main thing and to and to listen I I really love the workshops we do where well it goes back to the improvisation thing I think that um, the more you really listen to all the nuance of someone else's voice uh, so much can come out of that instead of us just driving our own way and making our own voice heard you know maybe that's a bit metaphorical as well for our life and times <laughs> these days but um yeah I'd say enjoy music and listen more everyone can listen more yeah that's so crucial well said how about you Joe? I think it would be to try and stay musically and creatively hungry as in, even when you're at the top of your game, there's always something that you can still learn and get better at. And there's there are always ways to hone your craft and perfect a particular thing or learn a new skill. I think it's really easy to, to decide, well, this is my thing. I sing in this way and this is how I do it. And it, I think it's so exciting when people learn a whole variety of different skills. It means that within your group, you can contribute in so many different ways than just being good at the thing that you're particularly good at. Yeah, I would say to, to keep that desire to, to learn more. Well said. Brian, this has <laughs> been like one of our best episodes. I'm like, so my heart is full. I'm feeling so inspired. I want to go like <laughs> run a mile, but I'm not. I'm definitely not going to run. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, just so, I'm just so pumped that this all worked out. We've been trying to like plan it for a long time and it all <laughs> came together. <laughs> so well all the technology worked everything lined up <laughs> everyone is cool we all like each other that's always really nice joe and claire if people want to get a hold of you see what you're all about like donate to a patreon uh like how could they do that 
If you want to keep in touch with the Swingles, we are all over social media. We have uh, at Swingle Singers is our handle on most things. Um, of course, we have a website. We're on tour in the States as well throughout March and April. We're going to be in Colorado, California, Connecticut, Delaware, New York, Florida, Virginia, and many other places that I can't remember right now. That's all on our website. We love Patreon. If you would like to support us um, for as little as like $2 a month, I think, it's always a huge help that goes towards every video uh, that we make um but yeah that's uh, patreon uh, backslash uh, the swingles and yeah keep in touch i'm at joe eatson j-o-e-t-e-s-o-n um yeah get in touch awesome claire what about you I'm definitely not going to so many places that I don't remember them all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I have a few irons in the fire that can't talk about yet, but that are going to be coming forth in the next few months. And so, yeah, I'm at underscore Claire Wheeler or Claire that I've got a page on on Facebook, Claire Wheeler, um, Instagram, Twitter. And yeah, be great to hear what what people are thinking about and uh, it's great hearing your thoughts on music education and that mm. sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I'd really love to to hear hear what people are, are into awesome brian where can people find you man as always you can go on twitter and find me at the brian alex brian with an i and as always please go follow all the things i do with college acapella and you can find me in the same place at john lampus on twitter and instagram please also follow everything acaville radio at it's at Acaville Radio. That's a handle. Pretty easy to remember on all social media platforms. Uh, let us know what you thought of this episode. Let us know what you think about the Swingles, about their music, about Joe and Claire and all the fun stuff we talked about today. We want to hear from our listeners. We want to hear what you guys want us to talk about and discuss. This was so fun. It was a great way to have a 75th episode. Joe and Claire, thank you again so much yes, for coming on the show. You. Thank wow. you. Thanks great for having us. Here. All right, everybody, that's it. Thank you for tuning in to Tacapella's 75th episode. And for everything acapella, please stay tuned. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where people know the hashtag symbol, is for more than social media. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-